and 3.79. Those are the ERAs by season of one uh, Cleveland pitcher, Trevor Bauer, uh, who is now 28 years old. Uh, It is second to last season under team control and is apparently uh, a pitcher that the Reds still have interest in, especially after they had interest in him over the winter as well. So um, we are coming to you on uh, the evening of July 30th. We're roughly, what, a half day away from the 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon trade deadline. And news is kind of flying left and right, but no actual real transactions are going down. So we're here to break that down figure out what the heck the Reds are doing, what they might be doing, what they probably should or should not be doing. Uh, but the Trevor Bauer news is the uh, the latest rumor that has flown across the radar. And we're trying to wrap our heads around that one. So uh, I'm Wick, per usual, trying to host this damn thing. And I am joined tonight by uh, a couple of uh, my, my go-to analysts in this regard. Um, first, we have from Fangraphs.com, along with Red Reporters Bylines, uh, Tony Wolf. Tony, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good, man. Just trying to make sense of all of this uh, this jumbled uh, rumor mill we've got going on that seems to want to spit out rumors uh, more frequently by the minute, but not actually have anything actually go down. Um, also joining us tonight is Derek Grimes. Grimey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. It's uh, it's nice to be here. Uh, I've been waiting all day for uh, something to happen, and then you know Kevin Rosenthal comes in. Uh, like you know, Mr. Kool Aid or something is like, oh hey, Trevor Bauer to the Indians and or Trevor Bauer to the Reds, and now now my sugar's all up because I don't like it. I don't like it very much. So uh, yeah, uh, maybe no news is better than uh, any news, I guess. <laughs> well, so so Bauer's a guy who's been linked to the Reds in the past. You know, obviously this winter when the Reds were and get the pitching mode. Um, they, you know, they were looking for anybody and everybody they possibly could. They found Tanner Roark. They found Sonny Gray. They found Alex Wood, who we finally got a chance to see last week. Um, but they were connected with Cleveland for the longest time, uh, both with Corey Kluber for a while. Uh, and Bauer's name certainly surfaced as well. And, you know, we know, we know for a fact uh, two distinct things about Cleveland. Um, a, they're trying to win this year and doing a pretty damn good job with it. Uh, but B, they're also one of the more cost-conscious teams uh, out there. And so the fact that they've got such a wealth of pitching and they've got Kluber coming back from injury, they just activated Danny Salazar. Uh, the hope is at some point, knock on wood, uh, by the end of the season, Carlos Carrasco will be back and healthy again too. Um, Bauer's going to be a free agent after next year. He's making $13 million this year. And he's pitching well enough to where he's going to get a raise on that, which will push you know the $17, $18, 20000000 million threshold. So – for a team that's operating on a shoestring budget the way Cleveland is, uh, they're trying to, to do that thing where they thread the needle, which is they they cash in on a good player while still trying to win now. Uh, something that, you know, if you go back in time, uh, the uh, 2004 Boston Red Sox did when they traded Nomar Garcia-Para the year they won the World Series, uh, backfilling with other players that helped out, and they cashed in on a superstar. Um it, to see the Reds connected in a, in this kind of fashion, uh, just on the surface, if you ignore who Trevor Bauer is beyond his baseball stats, which is kind of hard to do, at least in my mind, um, it does make some sense to see them connected with a guy like this because 
in theory, the Reds are still trying to win this year, but also he's controllable for next year. And he's a piece that would be, uh, you know, nice and shiny atop the rotation alongside Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Um, Beyond that, though, you get into whether or not he's the kind of over-the-top piece that uh, will help finalize this kind of uh, uh, rebuild movement because what the Reds really need going forward, as this year is exemplified, is hitters who can consistently hit. They've gotten good pitching this year, um, and to commit that kind of money and potentially trade a guy like Taylor Trammell, uh, their current top prospect, who's the guy who's in these rumors (laughs) – Uh, It seems like it's a lot of resources they're dedicating to one guy who has said repeatedly that he is not signing a long-term contract extension with anyone going forward. So uh, I I guess just jump in if you want to and just opine on what we've heard so far and where you think that uh, that kind of uh, sits in your brain so far. Uh, Tony, how about you go first, man? Yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a weird deal uh, for me, just from the standpoint of of who else is out there and and the apparent cost of of Trevor Bauer. That's the first thing that sticks out in my mind. You know, we just saw Marcus Stroman get uh, dealt to the Mets uh, a couple of days ago, and to see only to see New York only give up their something like their seventh and ninth best prospects in the deal. Two pitchers, I'm I'm pretty sure who. Are, are yeah. ways away from the from the majors. Uh, that was the price for from for Marcus Stroman, a guy who has a year of control beyond this year, um, who's having a pretty good season. Uh, that that's all that New York needed to give up to to get him away from Toronto, uh, and he was he's probably Toronto's best trade chip. You know, the the, the we all kind of thought the price would have been higher for that, uh, and for that kind of deal to go down, and yet the Mets were able to get it done and you know the Mets of all teams who aren't really in a spot right now where they're in a position to contend this season sort of similar to the where the Reds are uh so to see the Reds connected to uh Trevor Bauer this late in the game uh you know not not Noah Syndergaard not Zach Granke not Robbie Ray but Trevor Bauer and uh to see them to see a name like Taylor Trammell, the number one prospect in the system, come up in that kind of uh, deal, it's it's really confusing to me that they wouldn't be in on a couple of these other guys who probably wouldn't come with the kind of cost uh, that that Bauer does, uh, and you know, not which you know, Cleveland's saying that they don't they don't just want. Uh, you know, a really great prospect. They want somebody to help the big league team. So, so this might not just be uh, Trammell for Bauer. You know, one for one. This might be Bauer for Trammell and uh, you know Puig or uh, Trammell and you know even Amir Garrett. You know, somebody like that. So it's it's really confusing that the Reds would be connected to this. And you know, t- obviously if. If the you know, the report it was that Tremel's name was being floated uh, in the in the conversation, and of course Tremel's name is going to be floated. That's the first guy that Cleveland is going to ask about if they're looking at the Reds' farm system. But 
Uh, yeah, and I think I think that's the big part for me also is because you didn't hear this rumor pop up before the Marcus Stroman trade. You heard it after the Marcus Stroman trade. So it's almost as if maybe the Reds went back to a, a team that they had talked to about Trevor Bauer last winter and said, hey, this is the price it costs for a guy um, who's 28 years old, under team control through next year, and has a career of 376 ERA and 361 FIP. Um Trevor Bauer has a career 3.92 ERA and 3.87 FIP, and obviously he's been better over the last couple years. But so has Marcus Stroman too. Uh, if that's all it costs to to get a guy like that, what are you asking for now? And maybe Cleveland came back with Taylor Trammell, at which point hopefully the Reds were like, "Yeah, we're not going to do that." Um, but maybe they circled back because the Stroman trade, which still stands to this day as kind of the most significant non-rental piece trade so far this trade deadline. Maybe the Reds said, okay, well, if they set the market at that, maybe we'll circle back on these kind of deals because we might be able to get a guy like Bauer <laughs> without giving up Taylor Trammell. And obviously Cleveland is still probably going to stick to their guns here because, uh, you know, they, he's not going to make his $20 million until next year. And there's a chance that they could win a hell of a lot of games and potentially everything this year, the way they're playing right now. Uh, and then they could still flip him for something for the 2020 season, uh, maybe more substantial and what they've got right now, given what Stroman came for. So, uh, Grimey, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm not for the for the baseball player Trevor Bauer. Like, I'm not against them. The Reds acquiring that. And I, I think I brought up a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. You know, talking about the Indians a good fit for some or packaging a, a piece or pieces like uh, Puig and and uh, Roark. Uh, to the Indians because it would help them, you know, in the short term and those guys, they wouldn't have to pay in the long term. And I, I think I mentioned Bauer in a trade like that. It's, it's the Taylor Trammell part that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um, if, if it were a trade, that's actually a serious like offer that's being, you know, considered or, or whatever that seems it just, that's too, from what we know now, uh, and maybe we can't frame it around the Marcus Stroman deal because, Maybe we're in a situation where as if that's the trade that's going to set the market for the trade deadline, then maybe nothing else happens from here on out. You know what I mean? Because um, I guess we can't just assume that we're going to let the Blue Jays and the Mets of all people, um, of all teams, set the market on the trade deadline. But um, I guess it's knowing what we know now because of all the things that you stated about Trevor Bauer versus Marcus Stroman. It doesn't make any sense to me that the Mets would give up two pitchers outside of the top 100, but the Reds are going to have to give up a guy in the top 30. Yeah, um, and, and it's, that it's also doesn't, that doesn't that doesn't square up to me. Yeah, for sure. And, if, and you know, if Bowers out there throwing to his two twenty one ERA and phenomenal season like he did last year at this point in time, that's one thing. But he's down significantly across the board from what he did last year, while still having a very solid season, uh, leading the majors in innings pitched and batters faced and all the above. Which, given how pitchers' arms are as delicate as they are these days, maybe isn't even the best thing right now for him to you know be acquiring a guy who's got that much work on his arm the last couple of years um but also to trade uh, taylor Trammell, who's having a down year at his first trip through double a who is still significantly like almost three four years younger than the average double a player um he's tweaked his swing in the offseason and is still getting used to that um there's a number of reasons to not want to sell uh taylor Trammell right now also if you it's a sunk cost, and I get that, but for the Reds, sometimes sunk costs aren't necessarily 
hard to, to shed themselves from. But he's not just a top prospect that they stumbled upon. He's not a Johnny Quater that they signed for you know three thousand or thirty five hundred bucks at a Dominican Republic. Uh, they gave this guy three and a half million dollars to sign. Like they've got a lot invested in him already, uh, and to go ahead and just kind of cut bait on him uh, the first time he struggles, it just seems like it's a little bit of a uh, a, a jump the gun kind of move. And um, also, you know, you factor in the same reason Cleveland is kind of worried about how much money he's going to make. Uh, the Reds aren't a financial powerhouse either. You know, as much as we criticize them for trying to make sure they 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 balance their books. Uh, they're not a team that spends a whole lot of money and they dedicate that much more money next year to a guy uh, that helps fill the void that will be left by Tanner Roark and Alex Wood if they don't sign either of those. Um, then you're still faced trying to address the offense. And considering Tremel is your best offensive position player prospect, uh, that just seems like a little bit of a an odd tr- way to try to fix something that doesn't necessarily seem broken to me. And so, yeah, that's one of those, uh, one of those rumors that hopefully it's one of those uh, gauge the market kind of rumors as much as it is uh, an active interest kind of thing, um, because it just doesn't seem to line up uh, given where the rest of the baseball trade landscape is at this juncture. So um, and I think you, know, you, you mentioned it in our Slack channel or whatever. And I think you said it might've been mentioned to you on Twitter. Um, if they're going to spend, if the Reds are willing to spend twenty million dollars on Trevor Bauer, I mean, why wouldn't you just re up Alex Wood for that? So, uh, so Alex Wood is <laughs> Alex Wood is five days older than Trevor Bauer, so they're the same damn age, uh, and he's pitched to a three twenty nine ERA, one twenty two ERA plus, and three forty FIP since the start of the twenty sixteen season. Uh, you look at Bauer's numbers over that time, and he's pitched to a uh, 362 ERA, uh, 125 ERA plus, and 361 FIP. You know, so uh, it's you're, you're, and there's a reason why the Reds went out and wanted to get Alex Wood last winter. You know, and if you look at where he is now, obviously having missed the first, you know, uh, 60% of the season, um, if you're going to buy low on a guy, it's an Alex Wood kind of move that you make. It's not a, uh, go out and pay for Trevor Bauer kind of move, you know? Uh, and if you look at where the Reds have been historically in the past, specifically this last winter, um, they bought kind of high on Alex Wood, but they also, that was such a huge deal that they were getting a lot of other pieces in that process. Uh, but they bought low on Sonny Gray also. They bought low on Tanner Rourke after he had a couple of years that were down from his peak, so to speak. Um, they're a fine bargains kind of team. They did it with Jose Iglesias. They did it with Derek Dietrich. They did it with Scooter Jeanette. That it was Dan Straley a couple years ago as well. Um, it just fits more of the mold to try to find a guy like that who is going to give you a bargain because that's what they need to be able to cobble 25 guys together that are good enough. And I just don't see Bauer as that kind of piece. And so, yeah, it just it, it just doesn't seem like the move that they would make or the move that they should make, all told, is I think what I'm trying to say here. So, And I think it's uh, also important to note that the Reds, anybody that the Reds get – uh, this deadline, if they were to go out and buy somebody, they're if if they're they're getting them for what they can contribute beyond this season. You know, if you're if you go out and trade for Trevor Bauer, the, you really have to think about that as you're getting Trevor Bra- Trevor Bauer for 2020 because the Reds are six and a half games out of the division still, about the same behind the wild card standings. Uh, they're, they have about five percent playoff odds uh, according to Fangraphs. They are getting shit house by the Pirates they tonight. So. <laughs> they, yeah. uh, they're currently down by five and are going to lose for the thirty seventh time this season to the to the Pirates, who are in- <laughs> uh, it. 
they the Reds are not making the playoffs this season. So you know, I I think about you know if we were sitting here in December and the Reds were talking about giving up their number one prospect for six months of Trevor Bauer, that that seems insane to me. And it, you know, it seems insane right now, but I think that's an important distinction to make uh, here at the deadline where, you know, where you get into, oh, it's a year and a half of control, two and a half years of control. This year, this half year, whatever this is, does not matter to the Reds. You know, the uh, Reds are the, Red, the, Reds the Reds are down by the Reds are, Reds are down by six now. By the way, the Reds are um. now down by six as we speak. So, the, yeah, the the 2019 season does not factor into, or, or should not factor into, uh, you know, what kind of value you're getting out of somebody. You're getting someone for, you know, if you if you trade for Bauer, you're getting Bauer for 2020. That is when you hope he is going to do something for you. If you get Noah Syndergaard, if you get Zach Greinke, you are getting them. You are getting their contributions beyond 2019. Whatever they do for you in 2019 matters about as much as what Tanner Roark is doing doing for you this year. Right, and you know, and it's one of those things where I also, and maybe this is just my own my own current sentiment, but the way I look at it is, it's one thing to trade your quote unquote top prospect uh, for one year of a guy. Um, if he's a college guy and he's 24 and he's reached AAA, and you have a much better idea of what you think he could be. Uh, Taylor Trammell is a phenomenal athlete. He's still just 21. He just got to double A, um, where in case we haven't noticed, the entire rest of his teammates are kind of struggling offensively in that environment as well. We haven't seen him in the juice ball environment of triple A yet. Um, and he's a high school guy who, again, is just 21 and three years younger than this league. Um, and his WRC plus is 108. Like his, yeah, his numbers yeah. look like really bad if you just look at his average on base and slugging right now. And his ISO is like down from where it has been, but he's still an above average hitter for like the league he's in, the environment he's in. He's still, he hasn't, it's not like he's completely bottomed out compared to the rest of his competition. And I mean, if you look at the rest of the Reds' top prospects, and they, they most of their top prospects are in Chattanooga, Tyler Stevenson isn't hitting for power there. Jose Siri isn't hitting for power there. Uh, Ivan Elizabeth is, but he hits for power wherever the hell he goes as long as he's not striking out. Um, everybody else has done that. Even Michael Beltre in his limited time there wasn't hitting for power at the AA level. So for me, I look up and say, yeah, it's – it's not been the best year, but his walk rate's still there. He's still posting a good on-base percentage. Uh, he's still obviously the the, the defensive prowess, uh, arm notwithstanding, uh, in the outfield, and his ability to run the, the bases. The, those are all elite tools. Um, you give that up for a franchise-altering move, but one year of Trevor Bauer is not a franchise-altering move. And I say one year because the Reds are committing, what, the last $5.5 million to his salary this year and then another twenty next year. Uh, that eats up a huge chunk of the payroll that's coming off the books this year. And either they're spending $150 million next year, which I don't see happening, or they're making Bauer their primary acquisition for the 2020 season. And if that's the primary acquisition you get and you still don't address this offense, especially with the pieces that are leaving after this year, uh, he's a flip at the deadline next year kind of guy too because those Reds don't project to be a 91 team with him either. And so um, it just it's one of those things that just doesn't add up to me at all. And, and maybe that's just the beginning of a move. Maybe it involves a whole lot more. And uh, maybe this is the start of the Francisco Lindor rumors that we talked about the other day too. So uh, who knows? Um, anyway, moving on, it is the trade deadline. So it's not just Trevor Bauer with interest from the Reds. It's a whole lot of other stuff out there. Uh, namely tonight's starting pitcher, uh, Tanner Roark, who uh, didn't exactly – 
sign off if he's signing off from the Reds um, before uh, uh, leaving the team in his final start. But uh, there are rumors connecting him to the Yankees, who obviously have been facing a lot of underperformance and injuries in their rotation. Uh, but also Atlanta and the Oakland A's potentially interested in the 32-year-old who the Reds picked up for him. Nothing but Tanner Ramey this past offseason. Um, what are your thoughts on the rumors you've heard surrounding Roark? What do you think he might net and whether or not moving him is something that uh, is a prudent thing for the Reds? Uh, Grimey, how about you take this one first? I've always been – I think I've always been in the mind that Roark was the one that uh, kind of – not. I wouldn't say has to go, um, but it's the he's the easiest one to – replace I guess especially as Alex Wood you know came along slowly from his injury like it was it seems like it was too easy to all right we'll, we'll trade Roark for you know whatever slot Alex Wood into the rotation and they're really not going to be any worse off for it even in 2019 I mean that's not that's not a move that they would make that they would um, be considered like okay we're botting me out again you know um, they can still compete by trading Tanner Roark and you know just adding in Alex Wood um, that being said, when you see, <laughs> well, we'll go back to this, but when you see Marcus Stroman go for, with an extra year of control and is better and goes for what he went for, it's really, it's hard to see where the Reds get a whole hell of a lot of value from Tanner Roark. Um, I haven't really like dug into, um, I mean, I know, I know, you know, I know some of the names I would like to have from the Yankees in a, in a Tanner Roark trade, but that's not going to happen, you know. Um, that being said, I have a hard time with the Reds, and I don't want to, I don't really want to put it like this, but if they don't trade someone like Tanner Roark, it really feels like, you know, same old Reds. Uh, didn't trade Matt Harvey last year, you know, didn't trade Zach Cozart, you know, that kind of thing. Um, at the deadline or anytime. Um, I think he's kind of the one that I always like kind of had earmarked to, that would be the first to go, uh, maybe even the only to go. Cause I really, I think they really like Puig and I think they're going to keep him around regardless. Um, but it's really hard to see them getting any type of value back. Right. But at the same point, he's also making 10 million bucks this year. And as we talk about with the cost conscious reds, if they can save more $4 million and get even the second coming of Tanner Rainey back for him. uh, (laughs) And they put that towards paying whatever the hell they want to pay for anybody next year. I get it because they got Alex Wood back. So they've got a guy they can slot in there. Obviously, Tyler Malley looks like he's going to be out for another couple of weeks, but he'll be back eventually. Uh, if you backfill the back end of the rotation with uh, um, guys like Lucas Sims, guys like Sal Romano, and start using and leveraging that depth you've got with former starters to make a bullpen game out of things if guys can only go four or five innings, uh, maybe that's the kind of move that you make uh, when – you want to sell, but not fully sell, you know? And I, I think he's the perfect kind of pitcher for that because they bought his durability and are banking on the fact that somebody else is going to need that durability when they absolutely have to get wins. And that's what the case is with teams like the A's who have had uh, a lot of injuries in their rotation. The Yankees who've lost, uh, you know, uh, Severino and uh, the Tanaka has been banged around and Sabathia has been banged up too. They could use a guy like that. Who's got playoff experience and, and, and big game experience also. Um, it's almost about making sure you can get what you want from them. Even if you know what you want from them, it's not, uh, a huge return. And he is 32 going on 33 years old. I don't think he's a qualifying offer candidate. Uh, certainly not at this juncture. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Reds would be 
silly not to cash in on them for pretty much anything, even if they do want to maximize the number of wins they can get this year. Um, is he a good pitcher? Has he been a good pitcher for the Reds? Yeah, absolutely. But I think you can hope to replace what he's given you, which after tonight is a 426 ERA, uh, with some of the arms you've got in the system, especially the ones that are getting healthier down the stretch. So, Tony, what do you think? And, and I, Yeah, uh, I was just going off of what you guys were saying. You know, Roark always, to me, was the guy that – after after uh, Alex Wood and Yasiel Puig, he is definitely the one out of those three guys that you don't expect the Reds to extend uh, or, or offer contract to at the end of the year. So, um, you know, by all means, if you if you want to see more of Alex Wood, if you think uh, that you need a couple more months of Yasiel Puig to see if you're willing to bet sixty million dollars on him uh, continuing to be a valuable corner outfielder for you um that makes sense to me but yeah with Roark it's it's a weird situation where yes I think the the his value probably uh tops out somewhere around a uh a Tanner Rainey or uh even you know something somewhere between that or a uh you know low a you know 20 year old uh you know infielder that has a little bit of pop in his bat you know I don't think they're gonna get much more than that out of him. Uh, you know, it's just what I think about, you know, he's, he's better than Matt Harvey uh, was last year, but still do you, are the Yankees going to buy him expecting him to be their game three starter than in the ALCS? Yeah. I don't think so. So, you know, you kind of, whereas we, where we just talked about, you know, the Reds buying somebody for 2020, these playoff contenders are buying players <laughs> For the postseason, you know, you know, guys, you know, to, to some extent, they're buying them for the, you know, the stretch race the rest of the way. But the Yankees have a pretty comfortable lead in their division. I don't think Tanner Roark is the is the difference between them winning the AL East or not. And so a team like that is getting a getting a hold of a guy like Tanner Roark. It, only if they think that he is going to be a difference maker for them in October. And I don't think that he has that kind of uh, value to them. I think he's more of a uh, J.A. Happ uh, sort of addition like they made last year. Um, and and that sort of addition isn't going to <clears throat> cost them a whole lot. But, again, if you're the Reds, I don't think that you I, – I, I don't see – I, I don't see a way for the Reds to screw this up, really. I think I think I'm pretty. If Tanner Roark is still, pitch, I'm still sort of of the mind that if, if Tanner Roark is still pitching for this team on September 20th, then that's fine. They probably didn't get a a reasonable offer from from somebody uh, at the deadline, and uh, you know he he is just one one guy uh, taking innings that. You know, might have been given to Lucas Sims down the stretch, which uh, isn't great. But I don't, I don't know that that is gonna. Yeah, it's certainly not not a, not a deal breaker by any means. Um, the the other aspect about this one true trade deadline in July is that uh, it means that teams have to start planning for all of their contingency plans and playoff rosters as well. And what you often see with playoff rosters is less um, uh, of the broad generalization of regular season rosters and more of like the specialized 
uh, kind of players that the teams need for specific scenarios. And um, a lot of that comes down to bench bats who can get you a big, powerful home run if you need it late. Uh, and also guys who can be excellent, excellent defenders when you need them to be as well. Um, and the Reds have a couple of those guys right now. And two guys who they brought in on minor league deals this past winter, uh, Jose Iglesias and Derek Dietrich. Um, Iglesias obviously is a rental. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year either way. Uh, Dietrich does come with that uh, added value of 2020 control if the Reds want to keep him around. Uh, obviously, he's been slumping terribly of late. Uh, Jose Iglesias homered last night and homered again tonight, but prior to that, he had been slumping a little bit at the plate as well. Uh, although, as I mentioned previously, he's not exactly known for his offense. Anything you get out of that is a pure bonus, and the Reds have reaped the rewards of him so far this year um but considering neither one of those really look like pieces that the reds want to bank on for the future um are those the kind of guys that you would expect there to be a little bit more interest in uh because they're the kind of guys that used to get traded in mid-august when teams had a much clearer picture of what they needed on their bench and as their you know kind of peripheral roster guys uh for playoff runs um what are your thoughts on shopping or cashing in on either one of those guys considering they got them for a song uh this past winter uh tony what do you think i could see somebody trying to uh, go get Iglesias <clears throat> just because of, like you said, his defensive value. He's even if he's not your starting shortstop for you know forty five games the rest of the way, he's he's still a pretty Im- important piece off the bench, uh, and he's 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 hit a little this season. So uh, you know, I, I could see someone going to get Iglesias. I I don't know that I can say the same thing about Dietrich just because of how bad he's been for the last couple months, which. Oh boy! How, how did how, how did this happen to to Derek? I'm I, I truly it, he just fell off a cliff uh, sometime I mean, in June. I think I think I think good things have happened. <laughs> right, right. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre the kind of slump that he's gone through. But yeah, I don't I don't see anyone really giving giving any kind of interest to to Dietrich, even though he has a left handed. Uh, power bat now off off the bench, but I could I could definitely see Iglesias uh, generating some interest. He might be one of those weird uh, 3:15 p.m. deals that we see tomorrow, where the the Braves decide that they would like uh, like a nice uh, nifty glove coming off the bench. Yeah, Grimey, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I, it also I think somebody like that. I mean, if we're talking about um, you know teams in contention looking at, uh, uh, especially somebody like Roark, I mean, uh, maybe what you do is, um, if the, you know, if, if they have a need for it, from what you're talking about here, cause they can't do this later on. If they, if they have a need for it and they're talking about Roark, uh, you know, maybe you, maybe you throw in, uh, Iglesias as, as, I don't, I won't, I, I hesitate to say sweetener cause I don't really know if that's what it would be, but you know what I mean? Like, um, maybe that gets you instead of trading Roark to somebody and trading Iglesias to somebody for, you know, a couple of low A or high a lottery tickets, like maybe adding them both together, you get something that's, you know, maybe a little bit uh, better. Uh, obviously the quantity won't be there, but maybe the quality of the uh, prospect that you're getting back uh, might get there. So, I mean, I think that's interesting because I never really thought about it, but they don't have a chance to get those guys in August, like you said. So, um, 
maybe packaging players like that. Yeah, that's the other aspect of this that's just so hard to, to fathom at this point also because there's so many teams out there that even if you try to package players, suddenly they're up against roster construction uh, issues and then suddenly they're having to DFA multiple guys because they're adding multiple big league roster parts, which most teams who are making runs at the playoffs don't need to do this early in the season. So it's um, this whole one, one trade deadline thing is a really, really interesting um, uh, development across the baseball landscape. Uh, by the way, we're, we're recording this during the Reds Pirates uh, second game of the series and the Reds are getting their butts headed to them uh, eight to two right now. But uh, Pirates as they are want to do just hummed the high and inside pitch to Derek Dietrich because he pinch hit in the last inning and Joey Votto had words for their pitcher in the dugout. Uh, so we've uh, apparently had both benches warned uh, once again after the Pirates got the fucking throw inside, but the Reds never had a chance to actually pitch before getting warned. So now they're suddenly handicapped by the fact that they've been warned on both sides as opposed to one side because one team pitched inside and the other didn't, which still just doesn't make any sense to me in my mind. But uh, one way or another, that's where the Reds are at this juncture. Um, and it, I think somebody should just – I think somebody should just throw Clint Hurdle. That's, I don't want to see uh, well, it, it was, uh, it was Varsity Blues, right, where uh, – uh, star quarterback Johnny Moxon needed to spike the ball to kill the clock. Instead of spiking it, he threw it to the opposing uh, uh, mascot and knocked him off his horse. Um, yeah, I'm not advocating uh, anybody throw at anybody. But if people are going to keep throwing at people, it's probably the person in charge that needs to be uh, uh, the one the one disciplined more than anyone else because this is getting just completely, pardon my French, fucking ridiculous at this point. Um, you couldn't even tell. Yeah. You couldn't even tell if I yeah. <laughs> and we are talking about the two uh, worst teams in, in the National League Central right now, and it's there's there's about seven people in the stands tonight, and still Clint Hurdle is doing this bullshit. So, well, well, well. Let me interrupt. We're talking about the two worst teams by record in the and the NL Central, but we're talking about the Reds. Yeah, that's that's quite true. That is quite true. Well, well, well phrased. Fire, fire <laughs> the Pirates. Um. Another uh, another trade deadline news. Uh, Adam Duvall has a multi-over hey, game Duvall. for the Braves. And uh, Lucas Sim. Well, Lucas Sims only. No, Lucas Sims did allow multiple home runs tonight, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> so the trade trade's coming full circle yeah. at this point. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm trying to think. So six and a half games back, uh, one of the Cardinals or Cubs is going to win tonight because they're playing one another while tied for the division lead, and the Reds look like they're going to lose tonight. So that's, what, seven and a half games back of somebody, if my math is correct. Um, what are your thoughts on the concept of the Reds trying to maximize the number of wins they get at this particular trade deadline, um, as, given, obviously, how bad the last five years have been, how frustrating this year has been, and how the rebuild apparently is getting put on hold because they're not willing to cash in on the on the pieces that they really uh, went out and sought this past winter, at least not as of yet. Uh, what do you think that signals for the Reds, where they are now, where we can expect them to be going forward and whatnot? Grimey, um, what do you think? Well, uh, I don't know. I... Part of me has a hard time believing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too optimistic about the team in general. But like, I feel like we've kind of seen this offense be um, 
kind of inexplicably bad after, you know, I mean, after what we saw last year, um, you would have never thought in a million years that the offense would be what was holding this team back. And then all of a sudden, I mean, basically everyone on the team is uh, underperforming, even if it, if not their career averages, because we have a lot of young guys here, but um, they're, they didn't take the next step or they're slumping after a year or, you know, um, they're good, but not good enough, you know? Um, and maybe there's certain, there's certain players on the team. Like maybe we thought maybe a little too much of Jesse Winker. Like I'm still a big fan and I think he's going to be fine, but maybe he doesn't turn into the next kind of like, you know, Votto-esque on base guy that we, we kind of thought was going to be, but like, but a guy like Suarez, who's having a fine year, but after what he did last year, it's certainly underwhelming. Uh, you know, of course you got Nixon Zell um, as a rookie who's you know going to have ups and downs. Um, obviously they didn't get anything out of Scooter Jeanette and second base is a kind of a big question mark next year. Uh, Jose Peraza didn't, you know, follow up kind of what you might consider his breakout year. Uh, Tucker Barnhart's been terrible. So you, you got a lot of guys that just kind of, I don't, I don't know that any one of those guys you would point out and be like, oh, this is totally like we couldn't have predicted this, but all of them together and Joey Votto, you know, is into that, his decline phase. Um, I think it's odd. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know that the offense, even if you bring everyone back, say they don't do anything, which is not realistic for the team. Like they've got to, they've got to do some things. I don't know that the offense would be as bad next year or we should expect the offense to be as bad next year as they have been this year because they were actually really good last year you know I mean there was a lot of offensive categories in the National League where they were in the top five or the top six and it's just kind of cratered um <laughs> it was the off season of get the pitching and they did that and the pitching has been very good outside of some some hiccups in the bullpen um but the offense uh, it's kind of inexplicable how how poorly they all started and then how they've kind of just been, it's been like a couple of guys doing all of the work every other game and they can't just seem to get it all together at once. Um, so I, I don't know that the rebuild's necessarily behind. Um, I don't, I think coming, if, you know, as far as the trading the pieces go and what they need to do, like the long-term effect, I don't know that they ever will. And we'll see tomorrow. We'll see tomorrow by 4 PM. I don't know that they ever would, would have traded Yasiel Puig unless they were getting just blown away by the offer. I mean, that seems like I'm glad they did it, but once he came here and did all, it did everything he did. It seemed like a Bob Castellini love affair, sell the tickets. People will yeah. come and watch that guy, you know? And I had a hard time believing that they ever would have traded him at the deadline, regardless of what was going on. And I still have a hard time believing it. Maybe I'll get proven wrong. What, here's here's the way I look at it, though, is that um, the Reds haven't splashed cash in free agency since they signed Francisco Cordero to 40, four years, $45 million a decade ago. So, yeah, they've got a whole lot of stuff coming off the books this winter. And, yeah, even with arbitration raises, they should have a payroll if they don't do any moves beyond what's currently on the roster of, what, $85, $90 million, which leaves them 30-ish million dollars shy of where they're spending right now. Um, Either one of two things has to be true. Either, A, they completely buck their trend of not spending in free agency this winter and go big on a couple guys, which – 
color me fucking shocked the day that happens because I don't think that's ever going to happen. Or B, <laughs> they have to go out and make franchise-altering trades because A, they weren't good enough this year, and B, they're losing a whole hell of a lot of players to free agency this winter. So how do you make a franchise-altering trade? You trade prospects. That, that, that has to happen. Even if you soak up a lot of money, you still have to trade good prospects like Josiah Gray, like Jeter Downs, both of whom are now in the top 10 of the Dodgers system, which is one of the best systems in baseball. Um, they still will have to trade prospects. So it's one of those things where I look up and I say, okay, um, where do they go? If they're not going to make the marginal moves and hope they cash in on guys like Rourke and Puig right now in hopes that they get – Luis Castillo for a, a Dan Straley, who was a, a, a formerly waived player, uh, that you get a, uh, a Eugenio Suarez for Alfredo Simon, which has turned into an absolute steal. If you're not willing to swing big on either signing those guys, signing free agents, or making those kind of fringe moves that you hope you swing big on, then you have to swing big on a trade. You know, you have to trade Taylor Trammell this winter if you aren't willing to dip into free agency and you aren't willing to make the marginal trades that might pan out for you. So it's got to be one or the other because the Reds can't do neither and then roll out what they have right now in 2020 and say, oh, we'll be better than we were last year. That's just not good enough. So what's it going to be? You know, it's either sign the guys, splash the cash, keep the guys around, trade them for what you can get, or... You're not doing either one. It just doesn't make sense to me. Tony, what do you think? And the the frustrating thing is the the Reds got their pitching more or less in order. They're not necessarily a finished product. You know, they're not the Dodgers uh, and their starting rotation or the Astros, but they've they've got their pitching in a pretty good spot. Uh, and had their offense completely bottom out in a season in which the big uh, trade targets, as far as even like the controllable uh, trade targets, are all there. It seems like they're all pitchers, you know. Start, uh, start, start starting exactly. pitchers at least, right? Uh, yeah, starting pitchers. Um, you know, you've you've got Noah Syndergaard and 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 Zach Granke and and Robbie Ray. Uh, those are the guys who are sort of being dangled in uh, free agency. Uh, Matt Boyd uh, is is another one uh, that's out there. As far as controllable bats, um, you you kind of start at like Nick Castellanos and and you you know, work your way from there. It's there just aren't a whole lot of offense. There isn't a whole lot of offensive help out there. Uh, you know, we saw the Reds. Sort of connected to Mitch Hanniger earlier this uh, earlier this season. Um, that's the frustrating thing right now is is seeing, you know, seeing the the issues that they've had this year and how how deep those issues seem to run offensively. You know, you, if you look at the Statcast data for this team, their expected stats, their hard hit uh, percentage. Their barrel rate, all of those things rank in like the bottom two, three, four in baseball. I mean, this isn't a team that's gotten unlucky or gotten a raw shake of it. This this team <laughs> sucks at hitting, and they have, they have for the, last year that you know in those sorts of stats they weren't really a whole lot better. So that's a huge concern uh, for this team moving forward. And and yeah, you kind of look at, at who's available right now and I don't really see 
a lot of guys who could help this team sort of buck that trend. And so, um, you know, you can kind of, that that's where you kind of begin to look at where you're at and think, okay, maybe if this is just where our offense is until uh, we see what Tramel develops into, until we see what India develops into, until we see what some of these uh, high-sailing bats that they just drafted uh, develop into, until we get to see uh, how those guys look when they are sort of established as big leaguers, maybe they should just go all in on building a pitching staff and and sort of go almost the Indians route where they just go for a stunning rotation, a killer bullpen, and hope that the rest of the offense can hit just enough and hope that Nick Senzel can turn into Francisco Lindor and Taylor Trammell becomes something like an outfield Jose Ramirez and and maybe you've got and a it's, shot, it's, but it's worth pointing uh, it's yeah, it's worth pointing out that, that both on the hitting side and the pitching side, all of the Reds' top prospects are not twenty twenty players. You know, Trammell is potentially the only one, and it would obviously be great to be able to see what he could have done in AAA this year with the big league ball and with the balls flying out of the ballpark left and right. But you look at the Reds' top prospects, and Hunter Green's out for five more years or whatever the hell it is. Uh, Tony Santillan's taking a step back at AA. <laughs> Jose Series barely got a 700 OPS at AA. Uh, Trammell's obviously had his struggles there. Uh, TJ Friedel didn't advance past AA and broke his ankle and is out for the year. Um, there, you know, Tyler Stevenson's still in AA as well, and his bat hasn't quite picked up as much. You look at the guys who are producing, and it's the guys at the AAA level who are getting to use that ball that is flying out of ballparks at an unprecedented level for any level. Uh, and it's guys that like Aristides Aquino, who they DFA'd, uh, and Brian O'Grady, who's what, 26, 27 years old and not really a prospect. Um, there, There's not an immediate turn to like there has been the last two years. You know, we, we had Jesse Winker we were waiting and waiting and waiting for uh, to make his big league debut because he was on the cusp. We had Nick Senzel the last two years as well, who, who you knew you could pencil in for the future uh, almost immediately the moment the Reds finally decided to bring him up. Uh, they don't have one of those guys offensively to turn to to plug into one of these holes for next year. Um, they definitely don't have one pitching-wise to turn to next year either. So it's not like they can let these these veteran free agents walk and just kind of backfill unless Josh Van Meter somehow turns into the next, I don't even know, uh, out-of-nowhere prospect who'd never hit a lick in the minors and suddenly just uh, switch flipped and he's a, an all-star. Um, I don't even know a potential comp for him off the top of my head. Adam Duvall is kind of the – the one that, that jumps to my head. Um, and that's a lot to bank on. So for me, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a weird situation for the Reds to be in this far into their rebuild and that they're standing to lose so many players off of this current team, but also don't have players to fill back in and also can't really afford to trade a whole lot of them for one guy because one guy isn't going to solve this. The fact is they just have a lot of guys who are going to have to play better. And that's a really weird 
and tough spot to convince yourself uh, uh, to be in, but that's the fact of the matter. You know, Votto's got to be better. Winker's got to be better. Uh, um, the catching situation has to be better. Um, uh, Nick Senzel has to continue to improve. Um, Bryce Iglesias can't keep being bad, especially with David Hernandez and Jared Hughes potentially being free agents. Um, it's one of those things where they've got some good pieces. They're just not getting out of them what they need to get out of them. And um, it's hard to sell a fan base that's watched this much losing on. We're just going to get better as uh, um, as the, the next step in the process. But that's kind of the rock and the hard place they're stuck between at this point. And I, I really – I and to go on what I was saying earlier, I mean, I don't expect them just to stand pat. That's and like you said, I don't think it's. I, I think it's unrealistic uh, for them to stand pat. But I, but to go back on that, I mean, is and maybe he is. I mean, uh, I'm asking. Um, like Jesse Winker after, and he's actually just right about the same amount of plate appearances he had last year. And then we can also rope in the. 137 plate appearances he had uh, in 2017, but he's got a 106 OPS plus right now after uh, 132 and 137 plate appearances in 2017. And uh, like I said, right around, it's uh, 334 in 2018. He had 132 and 125 OPS plus in those years. So are we willing, and and it's kind of the same way with uh, Eugenio Suarez, who... I guess we could argue that maybe last year could possibly be an outlier because they had a 136 OPS plus in 2018 versus a 115 OPS plus in 2017. It's sitting at 117 right now. So maybe maybe that's more of the guy that he is versus right. the, what we saw last year. I just see more like and then and then of course uh, you know Nick Sandell is sitting at 105 right now. We expect that to go up uh, way up hopefully. Um, I'm just saying I'm not I'm not saying we need to sit here and, and just hope and wish that those guys like go back to being what they are supposed to be or what we thought they were going to be. But are you saying like, do you think those guys are not going to be better next year? Um, the offense has been bad this year. And that's what I meant earlier by being inexplicably bad. I don't think those players are and we can loop Tucker Barnhart into that, too, because he's not an otherworldly hitter, but he's also was like way worse than I think we would have expected this season. Um, I don't know. I just expect all those guys I mentioned and I didn't mention Joey. Who has looked a lot better lately. At least he's looked a lot better lately. Right. I'm just saying like those guys, those guys would be the ones that you would consider your, I don't know, your cornerstones or whatever, at least for the next couple of years. I expect all those guys to be better than they, I expected them to be better this year. I expect them to be better next year. And if they miss on all of those, then yeah, we're they're in serious trouble. But, but I think, but I think that's where I, that's I mean, where they are this year. They expected them all to be good this year, and they haven't been good enough. And that's the the frustrating thing is that you know it's one thing if that happens on any given year in a vacuum, but the fact that that happens or happened after what five straight last place finish years, um, and then the plan on year six was this, and the year seven is to try this again. That's just that, that. That's a that's a lot to ask for, you know. So I. Well, I th- I think they should go yeah. sign uh, well, Anthony Rendon, but, but perhaps that's not, perhaps that's, that's the argument happen, for standing so. pat for the next sixty games or whatever, fifty five games of this year, is to at least see if the the people that you thought could be what they should be 
can be that and to give them the full 162 if for no other reason than to just gauge your own calibration on how you value players, you know, um, because at this point of the uh, the rebuild, it, they've invested so much in so many of these players and made these moves with the intention of making this year a better year overall than it has been. Maybe you just give it 162 games to find out just so you know where you are in your own valuation of players and then figure it out in a massive way this this next offseason because uh, at this point that kind of seems like, I don't know, if anything it gives a lot of the players that have underperformed a chance to kind of get back to who they were and who you expect them to be and then maybe you start exploring some trades down the road uh, or, or whatever because you you realize they were who you thought they were and that you're not completely out in left field. So I don't know. It's, um, it's weird. It's going to be weird. We've got um, – the next uh, uh, half day to figure out what the hell is going to go on with the Reds and with the rest of the baseball landscape because uh, something's got to happen. There's got to be some major moves that go down. It's just it's somebody's got to blink and and we'll figure it out after the fact. But uh, but yeah, I think um, for all of that, we've gone what about 50 minutes here. Um, you guys have any last thoughts before we wrap this uh, last pre-trade deadline uh, Red Reporter podcast? I don't think so. I think we, <laughs> I think we've uh, we've pretty much pretty much drained the uh, the twenty four yep. hour period before the trade deadline. Uh, what's the plan? Yeah, yeah man, poop, pooper, get off the pooper, right? So, right. I mean, I mean, Jason Vargas and Eric and Schreiber Andrew Kashner and Homer Bailey. Fine, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, doesn't, doesn't do a lot for me as a baseball fan. Not, you know, outside of the Reds' perspective, as a baseball fan, yeah, I yeah, make some damn trades, you know. Like I want to see the, I want to see the Pirates. There, there are ten, te- there are ten teams making the playoffs, and about seven of them are already pretty much hammered down. So, uh, how competitive for those last three spots? Really, you got to jump a lot of teams to make it in there at this juncture. I'm rooting like uh, hell for the Giants. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, like, all it's all the sudden, you know, all the sudden, right? Hey, if they make an 07 style Rockies run and just win like 20 out of 22 down the stretch just to go from dead last to in the playoffs, that's a good story. Yeah, more power to him on that. I I, I could root for a story like that, especially with Bochi in his last year. They were the non Marlins worst team in. Well, non-Marlins, non non-Orioles, worst team in baseball when the Reds were playing them and losing and losing to them. And then, you know, you look up and it's like, holy shit, they're, they're only two and a half games. Uh, they're, um, they're, they're, they're ahead of the Reds, as are the New York Mets right now, which uh, is uh, also a fun, fun thing to well, say. So, um, well, cool. Well, with that, uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. We are the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I promised Baseball Jones that I would get us on Spotify after the last one was put out and then completely drop the ball on that. So I'm going to explore that option uh, when I get a chance to post this tomorrow, and uh, hopefully Baseball Jones can find us there also. Um, you can read our stuff at redreporter.com. Hey, oh, boy, hey. We just uh, we got Jeff Passan news. Trevor You're Barrett fucking kidding me. The Reds. <laughs> the, I this literally just got yeah, well, David, uh, dropped. David Bell is getting ejected as Trevor Bauer gets traded to the Reds. So I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> that seems that seems it is fitting. part of a three team deal with oh, the God. San Diego Padres. Um, well, then maybe we uh, maybe we prolong this podcast here for like the next ten minutes and see if we can't figure out. <laughs> 
what the what the living hell just happened um is this a red reporter podcast first i have to imagine oh good lord i was uh i i was i was on radio uh last year when um uh the devin mesoraco for matt harvey trade went down and i literally just broke down um (laughs) um no this is uh (laughs) Uh, this is going to be f- this. If this is legit, we might need to like run yeah. this whole damn thing back. Like, cause we just, we just shit all yeah. Trevor Bauer. Oh, he's going to, he's going to find this. And oh find God. Um, okay. So what? This what? is so gross. This is so incredibly gross. Who? What what role could the Padres? This is like dumb to probably do right now. But what they role probably could the want Hunter Renfro or Fernando Reyes because the the Indians want bats. I wouldn't be surprised if Tremell ends up in fucking San Diego. Honestly, on this, um, who knows? God, this is yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's let's pause for a minute here and let's uh, let's figure out. Uh, or let's talk ourselves through this because obviously the Padres have one of the deepest farm systems in baseball. And that's one of the things that I think I could, I could wrap my head around. If the Reds are willing to give up Taylor Trammell and they're going to get Trevor Bauer, if they get a secondary piece, be it a Trammelli like prospect from the stacked San Diego system, um, that that's something that I could at least begin to justify aside from the fact that I'm incredibly annoyed as fuck and not even part of my French that I have to root for Trevor Bauer at any point of my life. Um, but the fact is if the Reds are willing to give Tremel up, uh, that's going to be a very, very interesting thing to see. Uh, the other thing, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm pure. Ken Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal just said that Taylor Tremel is headed. Yeah, there you the go. Reds so that means again. the Reds have got to be getting something, something from a, that third party system back. Um, Oh, this just this this sucks. Hey, could be Tatis. <laughs> hey, you never uh, know. Man. Oh, I don't like it. I don't even know what it is, and I don't like it. The funny, what the funny thing about it is, is that you know if you look at the Reds' top prospects and you look at the idea of going for a guy like Trevor Bauer, which I still fucking hate. Um, the Padres wanted Hunter Green desperately in the draft two years ago. He was a Southern California kid. There were rumors that he was going to hold out and not sign because he wanted the Padres to to, to draft him. Um, and now the Reds are making a major, major, major trade with a top 20 prospect uh, to land a guy who I don't want and am definitely not going to root for. Um, and it didn't include Hunter Green. It's Taylor Trammell instead. Um, that oh, this is uh, this is interesting. This is incredibly interesting and definitely not something that I'm at all excited about. Oh boy. Well. So what do you think? Now we have Trevor Bauer as part of the Reds rotation. Do you think that pretty much cements the fact that Tanner Rourke's getting shipped out tomorrow? I would think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, don't know. either I mean, that or Alex Wood is going to pitch out of the bullpen, which I don't really know what purpose that yeah. would serve. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but 
Oh, and uh, so Puig is the Indians. All right. Yasiel Puig, John Heyman, the Yasiel Puig oh, of the Indians. Boy. Oh my God! The Reds have to be getting back. Why, a, a, a year of Trevor Bauer, yeah. Trevor Bauer in this shit. Oh my God! Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Puig hasn't been pulled yet, has he? I don't even know if the game's still going on. <laughs> yeah. Good luck editing this, Wick. No, this I'm just. Not, I'm just gonna. Great. I'm gonna run it as I is. I think I'm just gonna run it as is because. Uh, honestly, I think the, uh, the the silence speaks volumes in this. You know, um, 